Welcome back to Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. Thank you so much for joining us today. So this podcast was launched to help promote my book, Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. It was shortlisted by the Financial Times last year, and I've gone away and rewritten it, got a publisher, and essentially finished it now. So I'm so excited to well to share the introduction with you today. The book should be out shortly and I'll update you when exactly it's going to be out. So if you enjoy the podcast, if you've learned anything from any of the episodes, then please do like the, the episode, please subscribe or please tell one person that you about this podcast to help them um, with their money and to make them uh, or help them make better decisions with their money. So without further ado, here's the introduction. No snowflake ever falls in the wrong place. Zen proverb. Introduction. At 18, I lost my money speculating on the internet bubble. The frenzy of the dot-com boom had reached its pinnacle. It was half my savings from working a summer job at the ice cream shop in a theme park. Back then, people were making their fortunes from the internet companies. Anything with a dot-com at the end of it was easy money. Or so I was told. It was 1999 and the potential of the internet was clearly unbelievable. Nobody knew what the internet was going to be used for, let alone envisage a Facebook, an Amazon or what a Google was. I have flashbacks of the dot-com boom looking at cryptocurrency and the blockchain technology today. This was my first taste of a bubble. The shares I bought at the time were lastminute.com. The irony of the name was lost on me then, along with a craze of Tamagotchi toys and the Y2K bug. I was going to be rich. What could go wrong? As the sea of red from trading floors across the world were beamed onto our television sets, something wasn't going to plan. I did what my gut told me to do in that moment, and that was to sell my shares at a loss. I wanted out. The pain was too un bearable to stomach. I promised myself this would never happen to me again, so I made a decision in that moment to understand and learn from this experience. I taught myself to only take money advice from people who had been successful creating money previously. I took the remaining money and bought another investment, which turned out to be my greatest investment to date. A copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad by Rich Robert Kiyosaki. Costing me £6.99, this equaled 93 minutes of my time working that summer job. The upside of this investment was is unlimited. I continued reading every book I could find about making money. I then took a piece of paper and wrote down, I will be a millionaire by the time I'm 35. All I needed to do was think and I will grow rich or money will simply be manifested into my life how wrong I was. After university, I started working in the shipping industry, moving oil tankers around the world from A to B. I attended night school and got my chartered shipbroken qualification, studying economics, shipping operations, law. My next job was trading natural gas, millions of pounds worth each day, buying and selling, trying to make money looking at graphs on a screen. 
I recall the day like yesterday, the highest daily gain was £940,000. This wasn't for me, but for my company, which is when the main pipeline from Norway to UK, which is the main supplier of gas to the UK, froze over because it was so cold that day. I managed to source gas from France and made the £940,000 gain. The high pressure environment, 12 hour days and eight screens around me felt like I was in a constant microwave oven, slowly frying my brain like an instant ready meal with little nutrition. I questioned myself, is this what I really wanna be doing for the rest of my life? I decided the best way to make my millions was not working a corporate job, but through investment. Property seemed the easiest way to do this. People were making their fortune buying any spare piece of land in London with building and renting it to one of the many influx of people moving to London to make their fortunes, to see if the, street, the streets were really paved with gold. In 2014, I did my research, found my target area, viewed thousands of properties using Rightmove, and finally one of my offers was accepted and the buying process was set in motion. I waited in agony as the contracts and paperwork com were completed. Each day, checking right moves, seeing the price of housing rapidly increase. The small flat in Tooting, a small uh, rundown area at the time, small flat, although it had good potential and it was an up and coming area. You do not own the property until it had been completed and the contracts exchanged. Prices in that area had jumped from an average of £290,000 up to £40,000 in a matter of months. The government at the time wanted to be re-elected and a slowing housing market would prevent this. The help to buy scheme was introduced which fuelled the frenzy further of, of the housing market. Despite giving his word, a handshake and a written confirmation, the owner of the property that I was to buy had seen green and decided to go against his word and to make as much money as possible on the sale. He did a deal with another owner to sell the property to someone else. I had been gazumped. Looking at the, all the other available properties on the market at the time, there was nothing left in my price range. Maybe you've also been frustra frustrated with the returns on your savings, worrying that no matter how much you save for a price of property, that that house price keeps increasing faster than you can save like cycling after a cycling on a bike chasing a high speed train no matter how hard you pedal the train keeps getting further and further away like running after a steam locomotive the london property market was too fast to chase this was not the only piece of bad news i would receive i could feel the blood rushing from my face and seeing my image reflected back at me from the window I could see my skin and feel my skin get noticeably paler. I was told that due to restructuring, I was to be made redundant after working in this, the company for 12 years. The trading environment was cutthroat. However, it was an excellent place for me to understand markets. Did I really want to be working 12 hour days in front of eight screens for the rest of my life? That decision was made for me as I got the news about my redundancy. Those words still ringing in my ear today. So I picked myself up, dust myself off, analyze my strengths, 
the current demand and what I enjoy talking about on a Saturday night. A financial advisor seemed a perfect fit. I passed the numerous written and practical exams. I gained the experience having mentors and working with other people in a FTSE 100 company and decided to roll, roll the dice and start my own financial planning practice, helping people make better decisions with their money, giving financial advice to my own clients. I discovered that the great investors don't just know when to buy the latest stock. It's more about managing yourself, knowing your objectives and your attitude to risk. This gives you the mind space to focus on the important things in life, your friends, your family or your business. The people I advise varied greatly. Everyone from someone investing their £20 million of Bitcoin winnings to investing their £20 weekly savings to rock stars who have just signed their first album deal. Today, the responsibility has moved from our company looking after us for when we stop working to the individual who now, like ourselves, who now need to understand and make decisions that will impact every aspect of our future lives. That's even before we talk about the ridiculous state of the London housing market, those nose-bleeding valuations that very few people can afford, or the debt that people take on after finishing university or getting into credit card debt. My mission is simple, to help people make better decisions with their money so they can live their best life possible. This book will take you along the investment journey with strategies to improve your finances. And also I've included a chapter at the end, chapter 11, which I was almost too scared to include. This includes my strategies to improve the world, even if it's just a tiny bit. Today, we live in a capitalist society. Often we forget this fact, like a fish forgetting its skin is wet despite swimming underwater. Adam Smith, who's the guy in your £20 note, by the way, Adam Smith's law of supply and demand is still as relevant today as it was 245 years ago. Like the 93p we hand to the baker for our loaf of bread in the morning, or that pint of craft beer after work. Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations in 1750. There's, there's no point talking about money since Adam Smith has mentioned it all before. However, the world has changed rapidly. Today, the internet has made the world flat. It's just as easy to communicate with a publishing house in India as it is in Islington. Knowledge is now becoming the f one factor of production, sidelining both capital and labour. Knowledge is highly specialised and Adam knew this, Adam Smith knew this too. His division of labour strategy by splitting people depending on their skill, their dexterity and judgement improved the efficiency of factories in the UK and the world and he used a pin factory in Scotland for his example. This is reducing every person's business just to one simple task or one simple operation and making this person sole employment of their in or their life. It was much more efficient as the worker didn't need to change tools or move between jobs or buildings. The worker also no longer owned the means of production, meaning they didn't own the factories that they worked in. 
this could uh, they could only produce something profitably if the capitalists or the factory owners provided the tools or machineries in that factory the great news is today the only tools we need to provide a service is a laptop an internet connection and a smartphone and our own knowledge so in chapter one we go through owning yourself first thinking yourself like a, your own little business creating your own little economy that makes it outside faster outside forces of the market the economy or brexit almost irrelevant because you come you become your own source of production by making by having enough assets to provide an income for when you stop working previously they called that retirement today our knowledge is the resource meaning we now own our own means of production we now own our own knowledge today we own our own means of production the business that produces the goods and services we use every day we can buy a share of that company and become business owners we bec- by being a shareholder of a public limited company you get the option of voting in important decisions you can change board members you can change who makes the decision this is now that you own part of that business so it's impo- it's imp- it's possible to improve business impact on the planet by using your vote as a shareholder of that business imagine putting on a pair of glasses for the first time you can now see further than ever thought possible you can now make out the leaves and the trees and you can see the smiles from people far in the distance and you can now notice cars approaching and danger that you wouldn't have seen before this change of perspective gives you new knowledge and how to act and live on the life for the better this book aims to change your perspective on how you see the world and how and give you the ability to see further than you could have previously you could have previously done by giving you the knowledge that you may not been able to see previously it's a brave new world so what is knowledge and are we in the knowledge age so peter drucker says knowledge is information effective in action and information that is focused on results so results are outside of the person in society and economy the shift from the knowledge age that the inf- sorry the shift from the information age to the knowledge age has been structured on the basis that knowledge is specialized meaning that we all have individual skills and individual talents that we can use to help other people this gives us power but it also raises the question of values vision and belief tomorrow we're entering the beginning of the knowledge age some say it's already begun like any idea it takes time to spread few modern inventions spread as fast as the 13th invent 13th century invention of the eyeglass technology this invention has improved millions of people's lives throughout the years so knowledge is now being applied to tools products and processes and the, the internet has now mean has meant that we can access thousands of books and millions of ideas it's a wonderful time to be alive you're never too old to set another goal or dream another dream creating new things new processes improving things needs 
that are better than they were before. It needs, and this needs to be continuous improved every day. The process is what the Japanese called Kaizen, or continuous improvement. So all knowledge is a tool. If we apply and continuously sharpen our tools, we can achieve much more in the same time than we could have done if that technology hadn't been introduced. So this book contains the latest and best current business practices or knowledge to invest and grow your money, learning from the best financial advisors or best financial planners from around the world. I started writing this book to teach my 25 year old self to get rich. So this book was written as to give uh, to my 25 year old self, essentially the everything they needed to know. So it started out as a how to get rich, but it became more than that. I discovered that life is more about just money and you'll discover exactly what in the book. So to have the right asset allocation with the right amount of risk is one of the most fundamental things you can understand about investing. But it's more about that. It's, it's about, I discovered that happiness and purpose of life is much more important than being rich. So understanding yourself and where you can make the greatest contribution, making daily progress towards this goal. So in chapter two, we talk about happiness and how to achieve it. Perhaps knowledge is what Zen monks called self-knowledge and the road to enlightenment Enlightenment is wisdom. No snowflake lands in the wrong place. Today we have many choices and opportunities. We have more choices than ever before. This is called the paradox of choice, where more options doesn't necessarily mean more happiness. We explore this in chapter three and take a step on the investment journey. Today it's more important to understand what we want from life and work towards that. In chapter four, we work, we build a life plan for you around what you want from life. New discoveries, new technologies and new markets all spell opportunity. It's a wonderful time to be alive. We will be living longer than any other generation. It will be common for people to live until they're 100. And we need to have an income that's going to pay for us in our, when we stop working. There's never better time to set a new goal or dream a new dream. What's taking place is a revolution. Everything you know now will change in the coming years. The nature of work, lifestyle and wealth is changing faster than ever before. And that's a quote from Daniel Priestley, Entrepreneur's Revolution, 2018. So humans, so like... We humans are emotional creatures and we don't often make the best decision in the long term. Imagine Homer Simpson looking after your investments. So in chapter seven, we talk through that. The good news is you can control and manage yourself and knowing yourself helps you make long term decisions. In chapter nine, we go through farmyard finances, which is talking through what pensions are and how to update your how to top up your ISA which is the individual savings account. These two are tax um, incentives that the gov government offer everyone today, everyone in the UK today. Chapter 10, we talk about rebalancing and to think more like a gardener than an engineer and how we can rebalance our team of investments and begin to build our own farmyard. 
And then chapter 11 is an, it's talking about how much is enough. And we look at us as a planet and us and humans and what we're doing and how we can improve for the long term. So this book is called Millennial Money Mindset. So who are the millennials? So millennials, also known as the snowflake generation, grew up at the turn of the century and we were born between 1980 to the end of 1990s. So the oldest millennial will be 40 in the year 2020. So millennials have grown up. We're not as young as people or the media give us credit for. So millennials do things very differently from our parents. So in 1968, if you bumped into a 30-year-old, there was a 36% chance that that person would be married, had children, and had a full-time job and a mortgage. Today, if you bumped into that th- if a 30-year-old, there's less than a 23% chance that person would have the same trademarks. So baby boomers, those who were born just after the World War II, between 1946 and 1964, are now turning 70, making up the vast majority of the population. So demographics uh, show that these this generation have been called the, pi- the pig in the python, meaning that there was a massive boom in, um, in, the, in population and everything this generation touched has become massively disrupted. From baby food in the 1950s to consumer electrics and personal computers in the, 19, um, in the 1990s and healthcare and med- medical expenses ex- is expected to rocket in the coming years as 70-year-olds require a greater amount of care. So we get our information from trusted sources, often from our parents or teachers, which is not necessarily a bad thing to do. However, with money, depending on your age, you're able to take more risk in the market depending on your age. So the best financial advice from a qualified and experienced chartered financial planner for a 70-year-old would not be the correct thing to do for someone aged 25 to 40. So an average 70-year-old should have a much more defensive or a team of investments that are much more defensive or less risk than the average 25-year-old. It's because a 25-year-old has the benefit of time on their side. So they can ride out much more of the ups and downs of the market before they need to take their money out. This is why listening or copying your parents' strategy today is not the best thing for a millennial to do with their money. So why are millennials screwed over? So the average house price in London has risen 518%. Yeah, that's 518% since 1994. So from £79,000 for a house in the 70s, uh, sorry, in the 90s, up to £488,000 today, according to the Office of Natural Statistics. So as a millennial, it's hard not to feel envious of this previ- of a previous generation who took for granted people having a home that they could afford and raise a family and live in. So being among the majority has often meant the boomers, the baby boomers have got their own way in terms of government policy due to higher number of voters. There have been three ways which millennials have been hard done by in terms of government policy. That's printing more money called quantitative easing, which happened after the financial crash. So low interest rates, number two, and thirdly, the help to buy scheme. So excessive lending to people 
who could not afford a house were called subprime loans. So this caused the first, well, this caused a financial crash in 2008 or 2007, 2008. So rather than restricting lending to people who have been irresponsible, the government decided to print more money. So how could this be bad? More money in the system. But more money in the system means that for every pound coin in your back pocket, that's now worth less. So if so in the, tw- the 20 pound is the spending power is much less than the pound coin in your back pocket. It's also meant that assets like housing ha- that you wanted to buy has skyrocketed out of control. So the second thing that's happened is the Bank of England who are semi-employed by the government or at least decide who's going to uh, who, who's going to be the government governor of the Bank of England decide to reduce interest rates as an emergency measure. This emergency measure has now been kept low for 11 years, meaning that anyone in with bank with money in their bank gets next to nothing in their savings. It, previously, it was normal to get a 5% interest rate, so you'd get £5 every £100 you put in a bank for a year. So thirdly, the scheme that's decided to help first-time buyers, but actually um, has actually hindered them because it's all it's done is raise the price of assets or housing in the UK, especially in London, is the help to buy scheme. So which really should be called the help to sell scheme. So the government gives loans up to 40% so of the property price to people in London. So this has increased a person's affordability who would not have the money to done previously. So there's echoes of a 2008 subprime financial crisis here where they're lending money to people or giving loans to people who are not necessarily going to able to to pay it back. This has been great news for the baby boomer generation who have all seen their properties rise substantially and who love to check their house prices rise on the website Rightmove daily. So government policies like quantitative easing, interest rates being kept low, help to buy a scheme other things like student debt now. So going to university now, you're burdened with a huge amount of student debt, which previous generations, that didn't happen. Credit cards have been, is almost the norm now where people borrow on credit cards. Advertising, we're bombarded by adverts. So it's not our fault that so many people are struggling with money. So money worries topped a poll amongst millennials with the biggest stress um, in their day-to-day lives. So the good news, so with millennials now dominating the workforce, our habits, traits and choices are now heavily influencing the market. So today millennials have never had so many options and so many choices available to us. We can walk into any supermarket and decide from the vast selection of ingredients to make one of the hundreds of different recipes from around the world to make up our dinner. Technology today is incredible. It gives us the access that our parents could only dreamed of. We can hail a taxi in minutes from our phone. We can order almost anything online and have it delivered anywhere in the world the next day. You can fly anywhere around the world, staying in someone's home for a fraction of the price and effort it would have cost a generation ago. So we now have to manage our own money for our future self. So imagine looking into a mirror and seeing the six-year-old version of yourself. What would that reflection look like? Would they be happy? And would they be pleased with the decisions that you're making today that are going to affect your life in the future? So our decision today transcends decades 
and will impact on the kind of life that we'll be living as our future self. So making small daily habits that affect our future self. So we're much more likely to live to 100 years old than ever before. And we need to have an income to pay for these for this in our later years. The idea is to build assets, to buy assets now that are going to produce an income for you in retirement or when you stop working. So the old the old rules don't apply anymore. A professional career is not the only way to earn money, especially if you want to earn a lot of money. Having good money mindset means you need to think differently. What you think is what you get. So you need to become the person you think about most of the time. Some people call this being free, financially free. So we need to think of ourselves as a business and have an asset. So assets are money that puts money into your pocket, where liability is money that takes money out of your pocket. So we need to build assets that are going to pay an income for when we stop working. So investing is 80% psychology or 80% mindset and 20% mechanics. So the mechanics that you need to understand is asset allocation. This is the most powerful thing you can do with your money. So 80% of the rest of it is money mindset or your psychology behind how you think about money and what you do with your money day to day. So understand what you need to do and what you want to do. So every investor wants to take less risk with their investing, but actually it's almost counterintuitive. It almost doesn't make sense, but we... If you're a 25-year-old or a millennial, we need to take more risks than we have done previously. We need to invest and into businesses that are gonna. You're lending to. You're buying a part of that business, and then that they can buy uh, machinery or employ staff that's going to increase their the, the amount of people that they can help and how many problems they can solve. So we need to think about this. Money mindset is much more important than tactics or stock selection. To get money mindset, we're going to talk in the next chapter about the three laws of money, which are pay yourself first, diversify and rebalance. So this is the introduction to money mindset. So money mindset, you have more time, freedom and control to enjoy its life to its full potential. So if you want to find out more about this, then I've got a course called Football Formation Asset Allocation and it's on the learning platform Udemy. So just go on Udemy and type in Football Formation Asset Allocation and it's a simple, fun and achievable online course that you will really help with your finances. So we have a choice to cling to the old rules that have grounded us more in old in habits than sense or correct business practice that are, or or we money So thank you so much. Please like, subscribe and tell someone if this this is my why. This is the introduction to my book Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. So so we have a choice to cling to the old rules that are grounded more to old habits or sense or correct business practice. It won't happen overnight. It won't be easy. So let's get started. The only way things are going to change is when you change. So work harder on yourself than your job. Living paycheck to paycheck is not the solution. Doing the same things and expecting a different result is a definition of insanity. You need to own yourself first. Become your own boss of your own life. There's a better 
path that you can follow to achieve the lifestyle that you desire. This book, Millennial Money Mindset, if you want the fruits, you need the roots, is the roadmap. Thank you so much. Please like, subscribe and tell one person about this podcast because it really helps with my listings and subscribe. Thank you so much. See you soon. I think that sounds alright.